Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha and joining us today is our expert on non-disparagement <laughs> clauses or AKA gag clauses. Yeah, I always have to be an expert in something. I'm Matt Stubb. That's right. So Matt, I mean, what, what makes you the expert in this area? Well, I think it all kind of started when I just used to give a ton of- Disparaging reviews. <laughs> I used to go into businesses and buy a product or pay for services or say I was going to pay for services or buy a product. And then once I finally got the product or the services were performed, I could pay you and write something terrible about your business, or you could just give me the product or service for free. That's where it all kind of started. (laughs) Okay. So basically you blackmailed businesses. Oh, I want to say blackmail, but no, yeah. You just call it some type of mail, but yeah, you know, so we've definitely talked about this before, at least on the California side. Yeah. If I remember correctly, initially, there was some sort of partial ban, and then it got fully banned. Or maybe, I, I don't remember the language, but right now in California, it's been fully banned. We're, we're talking about non-disparagement clauses. Yeah, you might want to tell everyone <laughs> what, were, what was banned. Yeah. They may think otherwise. But yeah, non-disparagement clauses are those clauses in those agreements which basically say okay, by signing this contract, you can't say anything bad about us in the public or in general, in private too. I mean, you can make it pretty general. And obviously at first glance, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I mean, I can't speak. I mean, that's, that's kind of encroaching on freedom of speech and things like that. But, but classically, what is a confidentiality clause? I mean, that's basically what it is. It's for you to stop spreading information so it's not like there's no precedence of actually enforcing these kind of non-disparagement clauses. But of course, as we've seen, it, it can, can be definitely abused by uh, businesses. Yeah, and it, it can. And I mean, this is, I'll read the, because it's fairly short, at least as part of it, the, I believe this is the civil code. Yeah, the civil code in California. Wait, wait are, are you going to read the entire civil code? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Section one. Section one. Definitions, probably. So this is 1670.8A1. A contract or proposed contract for the sale or lease of consumer goods or services may not include a provision waiving the customer's right to make any statement regarding the seller or lessor or its employees or agents or concern, this is terribly written, or concerning the goods or services. It shall be unlawful to threaten or seek to enforce a provision made. I don't even know why I'm reading this. Uh, Basically... (laughs) I, I'm telling you, you should have just started at section one. That would have been uh, probably better, more interesting. Basically, the, the gist of it is you can't threaten some sort of penalty against a bit, you know, against a customer for writing a, a review. I mean, that, I mean, that was, I think that was the idea behind it. Yeah. And, and this goes back to, I think one of the most publicized case on this was about two, two years ago, 2000, yeah, two, end of 2013. And I don't know if you remember the company, but basically they sued their customers on this clause that basically said that if you leave a bad review or basically disparage us, then you owe us a a liquidation damage of $5,000 or so. And they ended up suing and became this, you know, big case. And, and since then there's been other cases like this where some courts have said, okay, this is unconscionable. This is ridiculous. That's encroaching on this and that, but there's been most, I think most judges have been kind of reluctant to really get involved with two parties that are privately contracting 
even though they may have some kind of reservation in actually enforcing the non-disparagement clause, but they have been enforced in the past. And I think that one example, I believe, kind of got the wheel. Well, the wheels might have already been in motion, but that was more trying to ban or uh, provisions saying they won't make any sort of negative comment. And it's kind of grown over time. I mean, just yeah. just to go back to the on the California side, you know, the penalties it's twenty five hundred. Oh, sorry, not to exceed twenty five hundred for a first violation, five thousand dollars for the second, and each subsequent violation. So, <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely not small numbers. It's you know, if you're a huge company, it's not going to be a big deal. Well, actually, it probably would be because it would apply to a lot of people. But you know, you're thinking these smaller companies; those are big hits for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So this this California statute passed. Uh, it was this year, right? Yeah. But now now it looks like it's going to be proposed to be expanded nationwide, and and they've already gone through this in the House before, and it got killed before it actually was voted on, I think. But this time they have bipartisan support in the Senate, and it looks like it actually has a good chance of uh, passing now. Yeah, and it would definitely change the way that things are done. I mean, across the country, and one of the things we obviously talk about a lot on here is Yelp. And I've spoken with a lot of different business owners about problems with Yelp. And sometimes their solution or their proposed solution is to just say, hey, why can't I just put something as part of my contract or part of the terms of purchase that they can't leave any sort of negative comment, et cetera. You know, if, if this gets passed, this would prevent them from doing that. I mean, being in California, it's not really an issue a lot of times because I'm dealing with California businesses and that's, I'm just telling that, you know, you can't, can't go that route, but you know, this would really change the way things are done. And it's one of the few ways that businesses can kind of combat Yelp and other review sites. And, and now you're, you're taking one of those options away for them to battle it, albeit a small option, but it's, it's still there currently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you think when, when this law passes, and if it does, do you really see businesses making this mistake anyway? Because I don't, I don't see non-disparagement clauses in contracts that often anyway. At least from a, no. you know, as a consumer, I don't see it often. I don't either. And well, here's the thing. So you go into a if you it's they'll take two examples. So let's say you buy something from iTunes and you check the box that you've read their terms of service, and it's a thousand pages long or I did it recently and it was some out like hundreds of pages. It's like, you can email it to you if you want. It's like, there's no way people are reading this, whatever. So common. Yeah, sure. I guess there could be something there. You know, there's probably not, but I guess there could be kind of hidden. Take that as opposed to, I go into a store and buy something. I mean, I'm not signing a contract when I, you know, purchase this product or whatever. I mean, they might have some sort of term somewhere, I guess. But, you know, if I'm just buying a, or if I go to a restaurant, for example, you know, I buy a pizza that I'm not satisfied with. There's no, <laughs> they don't have me sign a non-disparagement agreement prior to ordering or any of that. So obviously on that side, it's not going to make a difference at all. But yeah, I, I think you're right in the fact that there's probably not that many businesses right now before this possibly would get past that have these in place anyways. Yeah. Let's assume this gets passed. Just because it's a law doesn't mean it's, you know, there's still other claims that are possibly available, like defamation. I mean, <laughs> even the California law specifically provides that defamation is still permitted. Lawsuits for defamation. Exactly. So it's it's not like this is going to get passed and people are free to write whatever they want and there's no consequences. So I think 
a lot of these issues are for Yelp, or at least some of them are fake reviews that we don't know where they came from. And it could be a variety of things, right? It could be a disgruntled ex-employee. It could be a competitor. It could be, not to make accusations, but I've been told that it possibly could be a completely fabricated review through the site that is running the reviews to possibly get the businesses to pay for advertising to remove the reviews. Yeah, I mean, that, I think in the early days of Yelp, I mean, the, those accusations used to occur all the time. And and people seem to think, you know, and they've been sued on that. I mean, I don't think anyone's actually proved it because, well, frankly, even if it's true, I think it's, there's difficulty in proving it. Yeah. <laughs> Determining whether it's a fake review, I mean, frankly, just I think because we're in the business that every single review, I don't care how good or how believable it sounds, it's hard for me to really trust these online reviews. Unless it's a large number of reviews and they're consistent, then, then I feel like there's, there's something there. I know you're against Yelp completely, but from what I've found, the only real way you can trust it is, yeah, if there's hundreds of reviews and it's all about the same, you can you can trust that. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a flag if there's all five star if all the reviews are five stars because that just means it's somebody who reached out to their friends and family to write them. Yeah, or the opposite. Yeah, I want to see a good variety of reviews ranging from like well. If it's a it's a mix of four and five, mostly five, and there's you know more than a handful of reviews, it's I think it's something you can trust. But you know, having looked at a lot of different reviews, some of which the business owners are saying that they're fake, there are some things like some common things that come up. I mean, some of them are obvious when someone just leaves a general broad review that has no detail, or you give me a business and I could write the fake review in a minute, then yeah, it kind of looks like it's obvious. And, 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 and that's a good sign that it might be just like a bot or maybe even some, you know, now they, on fiverr.com, you know, people pay for that. And actually, yeah. I don't know if you heard about this, amazon.com, basically there were all these guys that were selling reviews on fiverr.com. And on amazon.com, in order to actually re- leave a review, you actually have to be, you know, a verified customer and it also gives an indication whether you actually bought the product. So Fiverr would actually, and, and, and these other companies too, they would sell these reviews. People would actually buy the product. You'd pay them to buy your product and also maybe pay them a little extra to actually leave a leave a positive review. And of course, this is man, manipulating the system. Yeah. So instead of actually suing the people that were paying for this, they started suing the actual people that were selling the service. I think I might have heard about that at some point. But yeah, that's another thing. And for at least for Yelp, for example, or, or any of these spots, if you can track the person who left it, if you can't figure out who the person is or if they leave a small number of reviews and especially one review and that's the only one. And I guess the key too is companies that keep track of all of their, if they mention something about a transaction and you have a business that keeps track of all their customers, like a dentist's office or something, and this review is left by someone whose name that doesn't come up in your system, and they only have one review, it's, you know, it's easy to tell from a business owner's perspective whether that's fake or not. The problem is from the consumer's perspective. They have no idea. Yeah, we, we have no idea. I mean, all, I, all we see is this person that names the, names the dentist and says, oh, I got a, you know, he broke my tooth or recommended I do this or that. I mean, it's it's easy to come up with a fake review if you want to. Yeah, and I do it all the time. In fact, that's <laughs> one of the ways that you can determine if it's a fake review is if, if, if I'm the author, then you can pretty much guarantee like it's uh, it's fake. So <laughs> that's another tidbit for you. 
I was impressed you got to uh, Yelp elite status. <laughs> With all my fake reviews. Yeah, I clicked on your profile. It's, it's just hundreds of one-star reviews. <laughs> I'm sure they start filtering it at that point. I mean, they have this so-called sophisticated algorithm to filter reviews. I'm sure there's other ways to determine if you know the review is fake, and we'll see. But I think this non-disparagement clause, which we've discussed before, but I think I think it is going to pass. I think it should pass because I have seen businesses kind of abuse this. But at the same time, like you, you kind of have to look in their shoes as a business. That it's it's really a symptom of another problem that they're trying to fix, and not wisely, I would suppose. This non-disparagement or the gag clause, gag order. Yeah, it's still allowing free speech. I mean, that's, I guess that's the idea behind it or one of the ideas, but like we were saying before, this doesn't give the people that write these, you know, if you're going to write something, it doesn't give them free reign and they can write whatever they want. There's still other laws in place that govern whether what they say is legal or illegal. So, yeah, I think if they pass this law, it really should be sistered with a provision that allows a business owner to subpoena a company like Yelp to provide the information as to who left that review. And I think that's the problem. Like you have to balance it when someone's leaving a fake bad review online and we're unable and Yelp is unable to disclose who that user is. That's a problem, right? I mean, that, that shouldn't be protected speech. Yeah, no, I I think that's a huge thing. That's, I don't think that's going to be added in there, but yeah, that'd be, (laughs) Yelp's never, they're never going to do that because if that information is readily available and they send it out, I mean, businesses are just going to have a huge advantage. No, that's true. But like, and, and, and their, their concern would be is that, okay, all of a sudden you have these businesses that sue, keep suing their users. But here's the deal. I mean, Yelp, they want to be a trusted source of reviews. Right now, me personally, I don't, I don't trust their reviews because of the stuff that, you know, we've dealt with. You, of course, you know, you, you sold out to the devil, but point being is that if they want to provide it, be a trusted source, then, then why not give up the names? I mean, people should be able to stand behind, you know, what they say. This isn't Facebook where you're kind of spreading gossip and the recourse is not as substantial. This is real businesses that are losing money. And so, where's the accountability and you're providing a business and a service to provide some kind of trusted source reviews. Why not, you know, give those users up. You, you done with that? Yeah. Nasser <laughs> Pasha signing out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair points. I mean, it's every day more and more people find out that Yelp isn't all it's cracked up to be. So people are still going to use it. It's just how they, how much they trust it. And I think you're, yeah. you're outright non-user. I'm a skeptical user. My wife is a blinded user that doesn't, doesn't know anything about the... <laughs> well, most people don't. I mean, they don't, they don't realize it. I've told her many times that's the problem. <laughs> that is a problem. That I always tell people that the market's going to decide. You know, I mean, I think already Yelp is slowly but surely has lost a little credibility, but it's still a useful tool. I mean, I'll give it that. Like, as I said, you still are able to determine the quality of a, of a particular business based upon a number of factors. You can't just see that there's five reviews with five stars and that's it. Like if it has a lot of reviews with a lot of stars, then that gives good indication. The problem is when a small business doesn't ha- isn't like very popular or hasn't advertised online to be able to people to find them on, on Yelp, then they're going to be hurt the worst. One bad review has a huge effect. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. So non-disparagement then, huh? Yeah, we'll see. What are the details of this next year? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're covering it now because I want to see follow it through its passing. Maybe it won't pass, but I, I have a feeling that it would. So yeah, I'm not even sure what uh, we mentioned. California 
I'm sure there's other states that have adopted something similar, but I, I know our non-disparagement in California started in January 1st, 2015. Yeah. So I haven't heard any others since then. Mm -hmm. So but like always, California leads the way. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.